Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. And welcome to another episode of the Lunch Learn with Dr. Bayer. I'm your host, Dr. Bayer Pierre, your favorite board certified attorney, founder of drbayerpierre.com and Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy. This week, we bring you a special guest. She's actually a three-time guest here on the podcast, Maria Davis-Pierre. She is the CEO of Autism and Black, and she's America's number one autism advocate for black families. And we're going to be talking about Autism Awareness Month and as well as her company, Autism and Black, and why the need to focus on black families. So get ready for another amazing episode. Like always, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a five-star review and leave Maria a five-star review letting her know how well she did on the podcast. Your support is so much appreciated. You guys have a great and blessed day. This episode is brought to you by the Lunch and Learn Community Store, where we are living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. In the Lunch and Learn Community Store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, ebooks, as well as other related products by Dr. Barry. Head over to shop.drpiersblog.com and get a chance to get 10% off your first purchase by using the coupon code EMPOWER10. Again, shop.drpiersblog.com. Live out the motto, empower yourself for better health. All right, listen to our community. You just heard another amazing intro from today's guest. She is almost like a regular on the podcast. I think this is going to be her third episode here on the podcast. And I figure what better month than to bring it for Autism Awareness Month to bring Maria Davis-Pierre, who, of course, you know, is my wife, but also the CEO of Autism in Black. And she's going to tell you a lot about that. We're going to catch up a lot of people on just what autism is, kind of get her take on it. We're going to kind of pick her brain on today's show. So again, Maria, thank you for uh, joining the podcast again. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, yes. So Again, for those who this may be their first time, you know, listening to the podcast. And if this is your first time listening, make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star review, especially if uh, Maria does a good job, right? So if this is your first time listening to the podcast or this is your third time listening to Maria on the podcast, Maria, can you tell a little bit about yourself? Just, you know, something that, you know, wasn't in the bio, but something that, you know, people need to know. So I am a therapist in South Florida. I own Autism in Black, and Autism in Black is all about bringing awareness to the Black community when it comes to autism. So we support Black parents who have autistic children. We also train professionals, healthcare professionals, on being culturally competent when it comes to the Black disability community. And of course, we have a six-year-old who is autistic, a six-year-old little girl. So that is what started the road to autism in black, I will say, is her. Perfect, perfect. So just for those who you know, may not know what you know, the month of April is to a lot of people uh, here around, around the world, can you kind of give them a little glimpse of like, what actually is autism and you know, why does it like, need a whole month? 
So autism is a neurological disorder that is characterized by difficulties with uh, communication, difficulties with social skills, sensory, and things like that. So a parent may notice that their child is not speaking or has a regression in speech. They may notice their child is doing repetitive behaviors. And they may see that their child has a reaction to certain smells, textures, lights, sounds, things like that. And why I think it needs a whole month of uh, being dedicated to awareness and acceptance is because, especially in the Black community, we're still kind of, people still don't know what autism is. So we have to shed light on what autism is and, and how it affects us as families and the actual individuals who are autistic. So I think, you know, that's why there's a whole month dedicated to it for those who are not directly impacted by it. Because for those who are directly impacted by it, we know that for us, it's 365. But during the month of April, we amp it up 10 times more just to spread that awareness so people can be aware of an autism and what it is and how it affects us, you know, so they can be supportive so that, you know, they can be inclusive, you know, and things like that. So I know when you kind of talk a little bit about, you know, awareness and kind of being aware of, you know, seeing you know, someone who's autistic that you, you may not realize it. Are there certain and common issues or concerns or behavioral problems that you tend to see that may spark someone to say, hey, you know what? I, I may need to think about autism as a diagnosis. When it comes to healthcare professionals? Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, we're not even really healthcare professionals because most of the lunch learning community, you know, I, I would love to say the healthcare professionals, but no, a lot of times they're just, you know, regular people just trying to, you know, better themselves and get healthier and empower themselves with some knowledge. So I would say that there is not going to be one tell sign that is going to, you know, notify someone that the person is autistic. Autism is a spectrum disorder. So what that means is that it's, you know, not a linear thing. It, everybody, it affects everybody differently and no two people are the same. So why I can say for my child, you may notice sensory things with her, her repeating certain words that you're saying to her, not every person who is autistic may have those things. So I would just say when you're with anybody to make sure that you are being kind and being inclusive, regardless of what you're noticing with them. All right. And I know you kind of touched a little bit on it because I know a lot of times when you hear, oh, my son is autistic, my daughter is autistic, that's not like a one-size-fit-all thing. When we, when we talk about autism, you, you didn't kind of mention it as a spectrum disorder. Like, what are some of the, the, the varieties or the, the, the way it varies from one end to the other? I mean, it's many different ways. In the professional world, they have terms like high-functioning and lower-functioning autism. So your higher-functioning would is what would be Asperger's, even though the term Asperger's is not used anymore, but I know a lot of people may be familiar with the term Asperger's. So that would be, I mean, if anybody's watched Parenthood or they watched The Good Doctor, that would be somebody who would be considered higher functioning Asperger's. And then there's the lower functioning type that may need more assistance with independent living skills, you know, may not be able to verbally communicate, may need to use other means of communication. So things like that. Okay, that's interesting. And, and 
this is something that, especially from from the the various skills and various spectrum of the disorder, this is something that they tend to pick up early. Like you know, when they're young, you can kind of see where one person's leaning one way or the other. As far as higher functioning or lower functioning, mm-hmm. no, I don't. I don't think that you would be able to pick on that as they're younger because if they're as we as I always say, early intervention is key. For instance, with our daughter, professional said she wasn't going to talk. We got her interventions early and now she talks all the time. So I think, you know, with the right tools and early intervention and the services that, you know, you're not able to predict whether they'll be higher functioning or lower functioning because things change daily for a person who is autistic. You know, they may pick up a skill tomorrow. So I don't think that we're able to definitely say if a person is higher functioning or lower functioning. I personally don't like the term higher functioning or lower functioning because a person can be considered higher functioning and still have traits of someone who is considered lower functioning, which is why we use the term spectrum. Okay, interesting. All right. So, you know, obviously this is a question that I'm pretty sure you've had to answer a million times over. When we talk about autism and autism spectrum and, you know, parents come to you and ask you these questions, they always say, like, what did I do? Like, what was the cause that caused my child to become autistic? Like, is there any definitive causes that have been shown to be causative factor for autism? As of right now, it's still kind of a gray area. There is no definitive cause uh, to say that your child will uh, be autistic. We're looking at more of environmental factors, any trauma the mother may have had while carrying the child, genetics play a factor. So there's many things that could play a factor in your child being autistic. But we do know that vaccines do not cause autism. So that has some, been something that has been so disputed and kicked down. And this is it's almost mind boggling in the learning community. The amount of times I have to educate people on you know, the, the fact that the one study that they point to and say, yes, vaccines cause autism. There's been like 20 that say, no, it doesn't. But no one seems to read the 20 or talk about the 20. They seem to only talk about the one that we've already been shown to be false and, you know, lies associated with it. So it's very interesting. And of course, I think that's a question that you all autism parents get. I think that's a question that all uh, care workers who take care of kids who are autistic receive, like, was, was there something I did versus, you know, was it a drink? Was it a medication? Was it a vac? Whatever. They, there's always, they're always looking for some way to point a finger and say, okay, that's how uh, my child got autistic. And I'm not sure if it's more, and I'm not sure you're in your line of work if you've seen it, if it's more to try to remove some of the burden off that, because maybe they feel like a burden that their child's autistic or what? Like, what, what would you say? Necessarily you say the word burden. I think burden is a, a trigger word for most autism parents and, and autistic individuals. I think trying to find an answer is something that we all look for when it comes to being a therapist. You know, when you people have red flags and signs and symptoms of most any diagnosis and they get the diagnosis, you know, they have a answer to, you know, the way they're feeling with autism. It's just so much gray area. And, you know, that people want an answer. They want to know why and we can't give them a reason why. It also takes away some of the, the shame and the guilt that goes along with being a parent to an autistic child because you feel a lot of the shame and the guilt. Like, what did I do wrong? As you were saying, you know, 
did I eat something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Maybe I shouldn't have, you know, rode on this bike at that one time, you know, things like that. So having a definitive answer can kind of ease that shame and guilt that you feel as a parent, because, you know, a lot of times we watch the struggles that our children go through and how people perceive our children. And that's something that we're constantly trying to battle and bring awareness and inclusion and acceptance to. So I think that is what it boils down to. Okay. And especially and you, you talk and it's a good lead in, right? Cause you talk about acceptance. So you, you kind of figure that, you know what, like my child's autistic, I'm doing what I can, but it's, there's clearly a void that's needed and there was no one calling. So you, you picked up the call and said, okay, I'll take this mantle and, you know, I'll start an organization like Autism in Black. What were some of the, the motivating factors behind it and what helped keeps you going? I think for me, having professionals come into my home and never taking our culture into consideration, thinking that their cookie cutter approaches were just going to apply to us as a family when culture is so big to us as, you know, African. Americans as Caribbean uh, individuals, it, it's you know kind of what we hold on to, and we all know that our culture can affect any treatment outcome. So if you're just trying to apply the same interventions across the board without taking culture into consideration, it's more than likely not going to be successful. So having the same professionals come in and not take that into consideration, and seeing it that it just wasn't with me, that it was with other parents who have autistic children. Seeing that they didn't take us into consideration as parents, as individuals who are with our children a lot more than they are, and not to talk to us or consider us. So those were the two motivating forces in starting Autism in Black and starting something for Black parents. Because I mean, anytime you look up autism, you're not seeing faces that look like you. So to see somebody who looks like you, who understands not only the profession but the personal side of it is what keeps me going. Love it. And wh- when did when did you start this company? How long has it been around? And wh- what's your plans? What's the what's the end goal? So it's officially been its own business for a little over a year. I officially started it last January, but I had been doing the work in my other private practice. I just separated it officially in January. I think the next plans for Autism in Black is most definitely to expand. We definitely are trying to open a wellness center open summer camps for children and, you know, continue to spread awareness, acceptance and inclusion. Love it. Love it. Love it. So when someone says, hey, you know what, my child, I think my child may be autistic or maybe they're already diagnosed with autism, but I'm still having trouble kind of navigating the system. What are some of the services that you offer? So I offer parents coaching. That is for any parent who has an autistic child, no matter where they are on their autism journey. And they're looking for, you know, how do I navigate the school system? Or, you know, what resources are out there for me? Or how do I set up goals for my child? Um, I also do couples coaching because as we know, having a child with a special need or a disability can definitely impact your relationship. 
relationships. So I also do couples coaching to help you kind of set the foundation again and get back on the same page. I offer IEP services. Any autism parent caregiver will let you know that the IEP is so important. It is something that they get from K through 12 is the individualized education plan. It has a list of goals that the child works on annually for that school year. And it's a legal document. It's the most important document they have from K through 12. So I offer IEP reviews to make sure that your child's IEP is set up for them and who they are currently, and it's realistic for them. Uh, I also do trainings on uh, what autism is and how to speak to your family about what autism is, how to set boundaries with your family regarding your child's autism, because we know a lot of times that families don't quite understand, and it's hard for us to set those boundaries with family. So those are some of the services that Autism in Black offers. Now, have you found it difficult working with families whose child is autistic in terms of not only helping to either create or mend a relationship between the parent and child, but also help mend the relationship that may be, you know, pulled away from in regards to the parents? I don't think so. I I think that being a parent myself, I kind of already have an upper hand in it. So not just having the professional side of it, but the personal side of it, being able to know exactly what they're talking about gives me kind of an upper hand in the interventions and the skills and and tools that I use in in sessions. So I think that for us as therapists, you know, we have a certain sense, you know, dealing with resistance or dealing with things that, that come up. So I think for us, it's not more of, is it difficult? It's just we'll get there when we get there type of thing. The goals will be accomplished. And before we let you go, you kind of hinted that uh, you also offer not only with the one-on-one, but you also do some coursework as well. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I offer two courses currently, uh, both IEP courses. One is for mental health professionals, um, healthcare professionals on how to advocate for their clients with IEPs and how to go to those meetings and make sure their clients are getting the goals and the services and modifications and accommodations they need. And then I also offer the parents' IEP course, the parents and caregivers IEP course that helps them to learn how to best advocate for their children in the school system, how to make sure that their child's IEP is specialized for their child, how to advocate for certain services and accommodations and modifications. Now, I know you, you kind of alluded to a little bit some of the services that, especially when you're doing like these IEP reviews, is there like a common service that you see that sometimes parents don't take advantage of because they don't even know what's out there? I don't know if it's a common service that they don't receive, but I think that parents are not aware of everything their children could receive. I think that they listen a lot of times to just the school saying, no, your child doesn't qualify for speech or they don't qualify for occupational therapy or physical therapy, or they say something to the extent of, well, we don't have the the means to cover that service. And parents just say, okay, not knowing 
knowing that, you know, there's a whole law, the IDEA law, that protects their children to make sure that their children get the services that they're supposed to get. So I don't think it's that they're not getting one specific service. I think there are services across the board that they're not getting the full time for or just not receiving because they don't know that their child actually qualifies for it. So a couple questions, a couple more questions before we, you know, before we let you get you out of here. What is it that you would like, you know, Black families to do if they suspect that their child is autistic? I would like them to take their child in to either a developmental pediatrician, a child psychologist, or a child neurologist and get their child evaluated to grieve and take their process that they may need to uh, because they need to understand that it's not going to work if they're not 100% on board because the parent, you know, especially for those who are under 18, is, you know, a a crucial part in their child being successful. If they don't fully believe or understand or or are in denial, then their child is not going to be set up for the success that they could be. So deal with, you know, your emotions and take your time and do what you need to do, but know that your child needs you 100% in for them to be successful. Perfect. Where can others find you? I know you've, you've talked a lot about what you do. You talked a lot about some of the stuff that you offer from a service standpoint. But if someone's looking, you know, they listen to the podcast, they have a family friend or them themselves have a child who's autistic, where can they find you to get some help and some consultation work? You can go to my website, www.autisminblack.org. You can find me on Instagram at autisminblack. My email is info at autisminblack.org. And I'm also on fa- uh, Facebook at autisminblk. All righty. I love it. So again, Lunch Learning Community, you know, just give another round of applause again. I think this is her third or fourth time. I know she's probably getting tired of coming here, but I always, and you know, I usually have to beg her, right? Because I said, you know, my lunch learning community needs to know about autism. And when I when I talk about autism experts, right, like how can I not talk to uh, my wife who's an autism expert, right? So it, it's only right to get her on the show. It's only right for, you know, for the repeat guests. Because, again, yeah, if they're good, they're good. And, you know, she and she's a good one. And, and she continues to drop gems here for uh, autism awareness. Uh, is it, is, it's not only is it autism awareness and what, what was the... The full website for... No, no, it's Autism Awareness Month, but it's like Autism and Awareness and... Autism Awareness and Acceptance. They're moving more towards acceptance, which, of course, autistic individuals want. But I think for a lot of communities, especially Black communities, Hispanic communities, they still need the awareness portion of it because we all know we can't move to acceptance if we're not aware of something. And that's where Autism and Black comes in to make people aware. Exactly. And I think for certain communities, we still do need to provide that awareness, but they're moving more towards acceptance because, of course, you know, autistic individuals want to be accepted and who doesn't want to be accepted. So You're right. You're right about that. So again, listen to my community. Thank you for, you know, sticking with us for another amazing episode. And I'm going to see you guys next week. Maria, thank you for joining here on A Lunch Learn. Thank you. Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of The Lunch Learner, Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today. If you have not had a chance, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening. If you already listen and you've already subscribed, make sure to leave me a five-star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is. And if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes, 
always head over to lunchlearnpod.com. That is lunchlearnpod, all in one word, dot com. And you can get the access to my show notes for every single episode, but especially the one you just listened to. And I'm going to see you guys next week. You guys be blessed. Bye.